Welcome to Season 2 of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which is short for Nancy Drew Nickerson. That's the username that you can find me on Twitter. Also, I've got a Twitter handle set up for this podcast under Romancing Nancy Drew. And we are going to pick up today with the first in the Nancy Drew Files series, Secrets Can Kill. Because we're going to murder some people, y'all. Secrets Can Kill was first published in August 1986. So... Imagine it. Reagan's still in office. There's a lot of shit going on. As a side note, the Nancy Drew Files series is actually being discussed on another podcast, um, Nancy Drew Rendezvous, which I've listened to a bit. And I was like, I fucking love you. You are so adorable. And I love everything that you're doing. So if you're like, can I maybe listen to a podcast that actually like says what legit happened in any sort of Nancy Drew Files book, then that is the one to listen to. Like she goes through chapter by chapter and like reads sections from it and she's doing just a fantastic job. And that is not what I'm going to be doing because I'm here to focus on Nancy and Dead and throw some shade about everything. Let's just be real here. So yeah, if you want to hear about like what was going on at the time and what, you know, some context and things like that, yes, that's what she's here for. And I'm here for just flat out snark. So I love you, girl. Um, Nancy Drew Files, um, again, like we're picking up in the 80s. The series actually goes through the 90s to basically the end of the 90s. So some fun things about the series is that Nancy doesn't have a cell phone like, I don't think that she ever has a cell phone in the series, actually. She has her own car, though, um, throughout, which is, is consistent with the mystery stories. So we pick up Nancy Drew Files, the first one, with Nancy standing in her bedroom looking at a fucking shopping spree that she and her friends have just had. And she's looking around and going, fuck yeah. The best thing about going undercover in a high school is getting to buy a new fucking wardrobe. And Bess is looking around and she's like, I am so fucking jealous of you right now. Because Bess and she dragged Bess and George along on her shopping trip, which you would not need to drag Bess to a shopping mall under any circumstances. But George is like, but maybe we could look at some running shoes as well. Like that's, that's her thing. That's if you're thinking of a trope for George, it is we're going to look at some running shoes. So Nancy's looking around and she's like, I'm liking this shit. I mean, I'm not enjoying the fact of going back to high school. So then for exposition reasons, Bess is like, so what are you supposed to be doing at the high school? And Nancy's like, well, it's Bedford High. It's at the, in the neighboring community of Bedford, which apparently is supposed to be more ritzy than River Heights. And I'm like, are you sure though? Because everything about Nancy's life says that she is definitely like upper tier middle class And so for them to be like, oh, yeah, these are the wealthy people. There's actually a road that they refer to in the book called Mansion Mile. And you're like, of course it is. Of course it fucking is. But anyway, it's fine. Um, Apparently, somebody has been breaking into the offices at the school. So they've broken into the principal's office. They've broken into the counselor's office. They've broken into the AV room. They've stolen some equipment. They've broken into some lockers. And the cops are like, just get another security guard. I don't know. Like, they don't give a fuck at all. The thing about the Nancy Drew series is that you have to have cops who legit don't give a fuck under any circumstances, who are like, I don't know, that sounds like maybe it's a personal problem that you need to just fix yourself. So um, Nancy's been hired by the principal who is like at the end of his rope over this because this is just ridiculous. And he's three days and he's not three days away from retirement. But like there's a definite vibe of like, I ain't got time for this shit. You need to fix it. So Um, he was at the end of his rope until somebody was like, oh yeah, Carson Drew's daughter likes to solve mysteries. Again, because she is the hottest teen detective around. And I'm like, again, how many teen detectives are there? What the fuck? But it's fine. It's fine. So she's like taking down some armed robbers and blackmailers and like violent criminals. And you're like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, 
honestly, I would be snarky about that, but considering what happens later in the files, like, she does legit do some of that shit, so it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility. She's graduated, it's like October, the setting for this is October. None of them have any plans for college, like, fuck right off with that, we got shit to do that involves not going to college, so yeah, Nancy, Bess, and George are, like, just living a life of luxury, they do not have part-time jobs so that they can afford their cars, they are just living their dreams. So Nancy's like, yeah, I have to go tomorrow morning and I'm going to have to go to class and pretend I'm a student because that seems like the best way to do it because apparently the cops have questioned all the faculty because that's the only thing they're good for. And they found out that the biology teacher has a bunch of speeding tickets, but that's about it. And I was like, I like how adorably just non-threatening that is. Like, I don't know. Maybe I just like to park in random places. It's cool. So Nancy's going to pose as a student. She's going to ask questions, see if she can figure out what's going on. Also, again, it's fucking October. So she's like a, a mid-semester. She says it's a mid-semester transfer. And I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that high schools, uh, high schools where I live are on like the nine weeks or the quarter system. So for them to be like semester, I'm like, okay, like, I don't know how the ghostwriter was. It's fine. It's fine. No judgment. So Yeah. So they're getting dressed up. They're f- having to figure out like what she's going to wear on her first day because of course they are because that's the best part of the first day is figuring out what you're going to fucking wear. So um, Hannah comes upstairs and she's like, hey, um, so somebody just left you a videotape. Oh my God, I forgot to mention this. So when the Nancy Drew TV series came out in 2019, the writers were like, okay, the files is maybe the closest to what we're doing in this thing. So we're going to re-release the files with like some updated language. Because again, Hannah's like, somebody sent you a VHS tape. And so the person reading is going, um, can, can you even use that? It's fine. No, that's fine. So actually, I bought the new one and I read it and because somebody was like, oh my God, they updated it, which they did, they did a hilarious fine change. Spoiler alert, later in this book, they're going to refer to the USSR because it's 1986, y'all. And so in the book, they just do a fine change and they change that to Russia. And I was like, mm, that's, that's pretty much legit. Like, I'll give you that one. And um, the VHS is updated to a DVD. And I was like, I love that you're updating it to a technology that is, again, going to be outdated pretty fucking soon. It's fine. Um, like, it might be more believable if she received a note that went to a YouTube video. But I mean, it's fine. No judgment. It's 1986. I'm, I'm throwing no shade over that. You work with what you got. I don't know how they explained that she didn't have a cell phone. It's fine. Um, so anyway, they get a videotape. And instead of doing the logical thing, which is maybe this is from the villain, they were like, oh, maybe this is just some really weird direct male promotional stuff. And I'm like, that is adorable. It's unmarked. It's in an unmarked envelope with a smudged postmark because, of course, it is. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It has no postmark. That's the other thing. Like, it's either going to be a smudge postmark or no postmark. So um, they go put it in the player. And when the scene starts up, it's Nancy and her friends who are just bobbing around the mall and talking about where they're going to go and eating hot dogs at the, at the fountain. And they're like, what is this? Like, that's really fucking disturbing. I don't, what are you doing? And at the end of it, somebody screeches like, you should stay at the mall, Nancy, and not snoop at Bedford High. And she's like, so somebody already knows who I am. Like, my cover is already blown before I even get there. Cool. So she doesn't sleep well, of course. And when she's on the way out the door, like, the next morning, like, yawning and ready to go to school, like, Hannah runs out and she's like, hey, Nancy, you forgot your duffel bag. And I was like, what are you doing? 
you wear backpacks at school. What are you doing? And then I was like, maybe in 1986, like duffel bags were the the cool thing that all the kids were. I don't, I don't know. I just know that at my school, if you carried a duffel bag, they would have been like, what you got in there, drugs? Anyway. So she goes to school with all of her new pins, who I I really hope they were Hello Kitty. I mean, just, just give me something here. But anyway, so she gets to school. She goes to the principal's office and the principal's like, I have assigned somebody to like be the person to escort you around school because I know that you don't know where anything is. And he's a really good guy. He's the senior class president and it's it's gonna be real good for you side note in the first scene like Bess and George are like you're gonna meet a lot of hot guys and Nancy's like uh underage hot guys and I'm like thank you for acknowledging that I know that they're all 18 but like you're gonna meet some underage guys like maybe don't touch that but anyway so like Bess is like, oh my God, maybe you get the quarterback's number so that I can do a little bit of cradle robbing. And you're like, oh my God, please stop. Please, creepy, creepy, stop. Oh my God. Anyway, um, so Nancy knows like a few of the students there already based on like their reputations for sports and bullshit. Um, but the person who walks into the office, Nancy's like, Nancy's already referred to Ned as, like, because she's got a picture of him up on her wall. He's the hottest guy she's ever met. She's completely in love with him. Like, again, we're not yet ready for a commitment, a firm commitment, but we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, we just occasionally get side pieces. It's fine. Which, the thing is, in the series, that Ned doesn't really do fucking side pieces, literally or figuratively. Um, But anyway, so... Nancy's like, I'm going to be on the lookout for hot guys, not for me, but for my friends, you know, because I like to be a wingman that way. And so the guy who walks in to be her contact for this case is the just jaw-droppingly attractive to her. The thing that I love about this is that he's described as having like eyes like dusky ripe blueberries with the longest lashes that Nancy's ever seen. And I'm like, so he's Elizabeth Taylor is what you're telling me. You have a male version of Elizabeth Taylor. Cool. No judgment, although he's blonde. So that kind of throws things off a little bit. Is he going to be rocking some portrait necklines? We do not know. Anyway, so they, their eyes lock. Nancy's like, okay. And they actually just gaze at each other longingly the entire time that the principal is talking. And I'm like, could you possibly not do that? Could you just like, remember, could you please just keep in your pants? It's fine. Um, so, yeah, Nancy just kind of tunes out. And she's just staring at this guy. And so the principal's like, and I know that you're going to do a great job for us. So, again, if you're keeping track of things, we know that at least one person at the school already knows who she is and that this guy knows who she is and what she's there to do. Like, this is not like she's finding out about biology things. It's she's going to be investigating these things that are happening at the school. So it's one or two people. If you're like, I feel like this mofo may be involved. Spoiler alert. I fucking hate him. His name is Daryl Gray. So that you remember that. Daryl fucking Gray. I hate him so much. Um, anyway. Or Elizabeth Taylor, if you would prefer. <laughs> and I might prefer. We'll see. Um, so anyway, so he escorts her to her first class and he's like, hey. Oh my God, on the way to school, actually, Nancy sees him because he drives a fucking Porsche 911. And so she's like, that's a damn hot car and I'm enjoying it. Nancy's driving a red Mustang at this point, And you're like, that is not the color of Mustang that she is supposed to be driving. She is supposed to be driving a blue Mustang. What the fuck? On the way to school, she actually drives by the Ford dealership and is like, that hot ass Mustang I've had my eye on is still in there. Just saying. And you're like, 
Of course it is. Of course it is. Fuck. Anyway. So Nancy takes her red Mustang to school. She pulls up next to the Porsche and he like revs his engine and looks at her and she's like, mm-hmm. And she revs her engine too and then peels off in front of him. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, girl. You beat his ass. And then, of course, he ends up being her fucking contact for the case. And I'm like, of course. And he drives a fucking Porsche. So like you've got this Elizabeth Taylor looking motherfucker who drives a Porsche. Like, really? You're you're hitting all the- and he's got eyelashes that are like a foot long. Just just enjoy it. Fuck. Anyway. So he takes her to class. Um, she she's just keeping an eye out for people because she again, she's not expecting to be there long enough to actually need to like keep her fucking grades up. And so somebody approaches her almost immediately and is like, Hey, you know English? Would you want to work for maybe this school paper? Because that'd be really cool. And Nancy was like, mm. And she actually considers it for a minute because she's like, well, that'd be a really good way for me to like introduce myself to people and get involved in shit. But also like I'm I'm not going to be here for very long. So I probably shouldn't like because then she'll have to find another reporter and it would suck for her and blah, blah. So she tells her no, which actually was pretty thoughtful for her. Like to actually think it through and be like, I don't want to leave you, like, holding a bag for me when I leave in, like, a week, so, which, that's about how long this case takes, actually, it takes her about a week, anyway, um, so she tells Sarah no, and then she spots this chubby but friendly looking girl in the cafeteria, again, like, there's, it's not presented in, like, a body shaming way, occasionally in the files there is some body shaming, I will say that, but, not so much here. Like, it's just like, she's chubby. Okay, acknowledge it. It's fine. Um, but she seems friendly. And so she says, asks if Nancy wants to come sit at her table with her. And Nancy's like, oh, I would love to. I have to go talk to the counselor because I have two gym classes. So, um, but tomorrow, definitely. So she's actually nice to her, which is good. Um, but she wants to go check out the AV room because she knows that shit's been stolen from in there. And she, like, the principal's office and the counselor's office, like, I don't know. But the AV, like, maybe she's going to find somebody in the AV room because it says that, like, the principal says that somebody's been stealing stuff from in there and sometimes they return it, like, the next day. So they don't know what the fuck's going on. And the most hilarious thing about the files is the principal's like, we don't even know if anything's missing because everything's put back in the wrong order. And you're like what what like don't you have like a set list of what should be in a student's fucking file like a vaccination record and maybe their grades and i don't know their permanent record which is a bullshit thing but anyway like something they're like no we don't know it's it's just weird we don't know we don't know and you're like cool and again it's 1986 and they're not gonna have that much on the computer this is not ferris bueller's day off anyway oh man that would be an epic crossover um so yeah, so Nancy goes to the AV room, but there's she can't get in there. And actually on the way there, she doesn't know where she's supposed to be going. So she stops and asks for directions from this total stone cold bitch who has noticed that Nancy is talking to Daryl and is like, why don't you die in a fucking fire? And so Nancy sees her and she's like, oh, do you know where the AV room is? She's like, yeah, it's down the hall and, and turn here and then turn here. And there it is. Can't miss it. And Nancy's like, thanks. Maybe I misjudged you. And I'm like, girl, you never misjudge. That's not true. She misjudges hot pieces of ass, but she does, she does not generally misjudge women. Um, it does happen occasionally. Of course it does. Um, uh, that morning, she actually hears somebody say, like, you will not go to football practice. You will do something for me or else. And the person's like, I can't miss football practice. But she can't figure out who's talking because she's in a crowded hallway. When she goes to the AV room, which it turns out that she's going to the fucking boiler room. That's where Carla, the bitch, has directed her to. Um, she hears somebody saying, like, you do this or else. And she's like, what? Who? What's, what's going on? I, I need to know a lot more about this. So um, she notices that it's 
oh, it's the guy asking another guy to write his term paper for him. Like, she, <laughs> she runs across this, the first one, she doesn't see who's talking. The next one, she actually sees who's talking. And it's the quarterback that Bess had her eye on, who is named Hunk. Of course he is. Of course he fucking is. We, we are on the nose with our metaphors in these books. And it's this guy named Jake Webb who has piercing blue eyes and is a total dick all around. Like, no one no one enjoys him. He is not an, a person who is enjoyed by one and all. Like, everybody fucking hates him. He's, he's a piece of shit. Um, so Nancy finds out that he's the one who's been threatening, and he's like, oh, so you're the new girl. Mm, maybe stay out of my way, or you will regret it. Nancy's like, fuck off. She does not say fuck off. She does not curse in these books. But imagine it, that she's thinking it real hard. Anyway, so then she runs into Daryl, who's like, are you okay? I, I didn't see in the cafeteria. And she's like, yeah, I was just trying to find the AV room to see if I could see any clues in here. And I ran into Jake Webb and Daryl's like, stay away from that motherfucker. He is no good. Like everyone fucking hates him. His last name is Webb and he is like a spider. And you're like, uh-huh. Because as soon as one person warns Nancy away from another person, I'm like, uh-huh. There's a reason you're doing that. These books are not subtle about like foreshadowing in any sort of way so if anybody warns nancy away from somebody else they've got some clues for you or they're a villain like hello this runs like a video game side note um her interactive the one of the first video games that they actually made was secrets can kill so this book has been made into a video game and i did play it and i was like huh uh, there's my brain is set up for side scrollers, y'all. I started playing video games in like the early 90s. So it, like the point and click on every fucking thing to see if it works. And I, like my brain is not set up to do this. It's very hard for me to work my way through the games. But anyway, so for those of you who have played the game, like you're like, oh, yes, of course, Hunk and, and Daryl. And yes, and, and Connie is the chubby girl. So you're already familiar with some of the shit that's going to go down. Um. So yeah, so... After school, after Nancy has not actually been able to make her way into the AV room, because of course not, uh, Connie sees her and she's like, hey, I'm about to go watch football practice. You want to come with me? And Nancy's like, sure. I mean, why Why the fuck not? So she goes out there and she hangs out with Connie, who gives her all the hot goss. Like, that is what Connie is here for. Um, Connie's also wearing a cute bracelet. And Nancy's like, I really like that bracelet. That's real cute on you. Because, you know why not just not be a dick? And Connie's like, oh, thank you. Uh, it's it's really cool. And Nancy's like, is that Art Deco? And Connie's like, I uh, sure. I don't, I don't know. It's it's just a super cute bracelet. Also, she's like, so I saw you talking to Daryl. And Nancy's like, yeah. And I saw that, that, that bitch out there who's cheerleading right now is just being a total bitch over him. And Connie's like, oh, yeah, they're a thing. Like, they're on again, off again. That That's Carla. But... I mean, I guess that Carla saw you flirting with Daryl and she's getting pissed because she ain't going to hit that, even though she's all about money. Like, everybody here is all about money. It, again, it's like, he's driving a fucking Porsche, like this, which Nancy comments on. She's like, well, he must come from money because he's driving a fucking Porsche. And Connie is like, yeah, like his dad, like, lost a bunch of money recently. So I know that his family's probably hurt. Like he used to be rolling in it and now he just doesn't have as much money. But I mean, I guess he's doing fine though. So Connie is just a wealth of information about everything that's going on. I'm going to point out again to you because Nancy is blinded by Liz Taylor. Um, his father just lost a bunch of money. He's still driving a Porsche. He's still got all the cachet that's attached to, like, being big man on campus. Um, 
but also like he's also warning Nancy to stay away from Jake. Like there's a lot going on there. And Nancy's like on the alert. She's like, who, who said, who warned me off on the end of this tape? Like the voice was digitally distorted. Actually, at this point, it probably wouldn't have been digital. Um, The voice was distorted mechanically. So I don't know specifically who it was. They were disguising their voice, but I'm going to keep a lookout and see if anybody is like, oh, Nancy Drew, because she's going by her own fucking name. Like again, this Bedford is like 15 minutes away from River Heights. And she's like, it'll be fine. I will just use my own name. And I'm like, if if you've been in the fucking papers, which she has, um, this seems like an oversight, I'm just saying. But it's cool. It's cool. Anyway. So Connie gives her all the hot goss. And then Nancy goes home and she's like, I don't, I don't fucking, I don't know. Um, also, of course, Daryl, that fucking Liz Taylor motherfucker has been like, Hey, so there's a dance this weekend, and you want to come with me? And Nancy's like, I would love to, because, yes. And you're like, Nancy, he's 17. He's Keep it in your pants. He's 17. Anyway, so the next day, like, Nancy's looking around. She's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, she's still looking for clues. She sees that Connie is actually not wearing her bracelet, and she decides that she wants to break into Jake Webb's locker, because, of course, she fucking does. She's like, I don't trust that motherfucker, and I want to see if he's got anything going on in his locker. But Jake clearly is suspicious of Nancy. Like, he's like, you need to stay the fuck away from me. She also overhears um, Hal, who is, like, the class brain, who got, like, a perfect score on his SATs. Which Nancy's like, and I remember taking my SATs, and I'm like, why did you take your SATs? Like, did you just, and never refers to where her score is. And I'm like, did you bomb them, and that's why you're not going to college? Like, what the fuck? But anyway, so Hal apparently scored perfect on his SATs. Like, he's the brain, he's the valedictorian, like, he's already gotten into Harvard and all this shit. Um, and she overhears Jake being like, you're going to write my paper for me. And Hal's like, I don't have time. And he's like, you are going to write that fucking paper for me. And Nancy's like, Really? Really? Okay. So they take a pop quiz that morning in history and how the class brain is trying to cheat off Nancy's paper. And she's like, I'm going to fucking bomb this quiz. I ain't studied shit because the, I'm, I'm not earning actual fucking grades here. So, and he's trying to cheat off me. Like what, what the fuck? Like there, something is not adding up here. So, um, she's looking around school. She breaks into Jake's locker. Um, because she's like, I feel like he's deeply involved somehow. And she sees a shoebox with Connie's bracelet hanging out of it. And she's like, did he steal Connie's bracelet? Is he, did he find it where she lost it somewhere? And now he's like holding it for ransom because he's that kind of dick. Um, what's going on? So she goes over to Connie. She's like, Connie, I, I found your bracelet. I saw it in Jake's locker. And Connie's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's, uh, it's at home. I don't, I don't know. Uh, fuck. And then she just runs off. Like Nancy's got the plague. And Nancy's like, well, I hit a nerve there, huh? Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Nancy also um, comes up on Daryl and Jake talking, and there's clearly some animosity there, which Nancy's not surprised by, because, again, Daryl's already established that he fucking hates Jake. So, um, this is the day that Nancy is, Nancy's talking to Daryl, and Daryl's like, hey, why don't we go look at the river for vague reasons? And Nancy's like, cool. So they get into Nancy's car. Nancy's red Mustang. I'm I'm going to keep establishing that. Anyway, so they get into Nancy's red Mustang, and Daryl's being all like, yeah, you, you're just a hot piece of ass, Nancy Drew. And she's like, girl, you know I am. You blink those Liz Taylor lashes at me. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, they get in the car and they're driving and they're going down a steep hill. And of course, Nancy's brakes fucking go out. Like if, 
if there were a Nancy Drew Files bingo card, do Nancy's brakes go out? Like, you're going to hit that one fairly often. Like, so Nancy's brakes go out, and she's like, what the f- shit? The emergency brake is also burnt out. Like, there's, there's not much she can do. She eventually pulls the car over to the side of the road so that it stops in, like, the embankment. And they stop the car, and it bounces. And, and she's like, well, shit, I've just bumped the fender, and fuck, and I'm going to have to take it in for... And then she goes... I smell gasoline, and so Daryl's next to her, and he's been jostled, and he's, like, his face has gone white. Like, you're like, okay, so I don't think Daryl was involved in this, because, again, I'm suspicious of any motherfucker who starts flirting with her, like, immediately. I'm like, you killed everyone. You are responsible for every atrocity within the past 15 years. But anyway, so he, it's clear that he, I mean, unless he's got nerves of steel, which this mofo does not, um, he wouldn't have gotten in the car with her if he'd cut her brakes. So... That's good to know and bad to know because, again, I, he's responsible for every atrocity. But anyway, so Nancy smells gas and she's like, we got to get out of the fucking car right now, right now. And so she gets out of the car and Daryl's like, my, my door's stuck. And I'm like, you wimpy piece of shit. Anyway, so she has to go back to the car and get his Liz Taylor ass out of the car. So she drags him out and then the car fucking explodes because, of course, it fucking does. And so Nancy and Daryl, like, you know, as in, as anyone would, like, fall to the ground together. And, of course, because this is set up like a fucking romance novel, like, they start making out because who doesn't make out when their fucking car has just exploded? But anyway, so she kisses him, like, twice and then she's like, <gasps> Ned. And you're like, that's right, motherfucker, Ned. So, um, she's like, we, we, we can't do like my car. Oh shit. And he's like, yeah, that, that's true. Your car has exploded. That's, that's, that's a fucking bummer. And so Nancy's like, hang on. So she actually checks that her brakes have been cut. Like you were like, yes, we all knew this. I've got to be honest with you. I need to figure this out. But if I were to look under my car, I would not even, how would one determine whether one's brake lines had been cut is, is my question. But she knows within a glance because clearly this has happened before or she's just a fucking excellent mechanic. So she's like, yeah, somebody clearly sabotaged my fucking car, which again is a fireball now. So it's, it's moot. Like there's going to be no recovering from this. So she, um, she has to get a ride to school the next day and she's like, so somebody fucking blew up my car. So that's fun. Although she's pretty sure that whenever she was pulling the car off to the side of the road, like a a rock cracked the gas tank or something. So she's, she's pretty sure that her car was not supposed to fucking explode, that the brakes were just supposed to go out and that would explain her sudden disappearance. But anyway, so she has to get a ride the next morning from Bess and George to go to school. Just, just like a, a senior, you know. It's cool. So she pulls up to the school and like there's crowds around and they're all looking at each other like shell shocked and there's like news crews and she's like, oh, so some shit has gone down. So she gets out of the car and somebody's like, Jake Webb is dead. They found his body in the school. Side note, where I come from, like people actually do die during high school and it's usually in like car crashes, which is what happened at my high school. Like somebody, there were three people who died in a car crashes on the same day. And like, people generally do not react the way that they react in this book, which is like, I'm glad the motherfucker's dead. Like, that's, there should be at least some, like, from the students who didn't know him, something like, oh my god, I can't believe somebody, like, no, it's like, they're both fearful and, like, thinking about throwing a fucking party. Like, this mofo was just universally disliked so nobody cared for him and Nancy's like oh how what oh they found him at the bottom of some stairs and Nancy's like oh so he could have been pushed and they were like no he clearly got the shit beat out of him first and she's like oh 
that changes everything because then, okay, that's convenient. Like whoever was responsible for all the break-ins and whatever, um, it seems like it was probably Jake and he just pissed off the wrong person because Nancy has figured out that he was probably blackmailing some people based on what he was saying. So she's like, so clearly somebody that he was blackmailing got mad at him. So she goes to the AV room because of course she fucking does. And the room is in shambles. Like it's in fucking shambles. She has no idea like what happened here. She was like, maybe the cops. And while she's like asking questions about the corpse that has been discovered, um, the cops are there and everything. And she runs in and she's like, should I tell them? No, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them who I am because then they might want me in on the investigation and I'll blow my cover and blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to be a casual student. So she walks around the corner and she runs smack into fucking Brenda Carlton, who is just, Nancy doesn't have a nemesis for this series. Brenda Carlton is an original character within the series. Like she does not exist within the, the mystery story. She doesn't actually exist in any of the other canon. Um, but Brenda Carlton is the child of the local newspaper, Today's Times, which is supposed to be award-winning in this one and later is like, maybe it's kind of tabloidy. We don't know. It's just kind of trashy a bit. But anyway, so it, it makes bank because this is 1986 and that that was a thing that was possible in 1986 that one could actually make money off a newspaper. Um, so Brenda is... Nancy's age. So she's 18. She's um, got black hair and red lipstick and red fingernail polish. And so she's both prissy and like trying to pretend she's like this hard hitting, like hard bold reporter at all times. And Nancy's like, you're a dipshit. Like she just, she hates Brenda because Brenda gets her nose into stuff and just fucks it up. So Nancy is presented as like I'd say 95% competent. Like, she's going to fuck up occasionally for plot reasons. But Brenda is, like, bumbling through shit and just getting in Nancy's way and blowing her cover and just being a bitch. And so Brenda's like, so I'm going to write a story about the fact that you're clearly here undercover. And Nancy's like, no, you fucking aren't. And Brenda's like, then tell me everything you know. And Nancy's like, no, I am not going to tell you everything I know because you are a dipshit. But I will give you an exclusive, which is the way Nancy usually handles this stuff anyway. If she runs into a reporter, then she says, look, after everything's over, I'll give you an exclusive and I won't talk to anybody else and it'll be fine. And Brenda's like, okay, all right, you will give me an exclusive. And Nancy's like, this is not the last I'm going to see of her and I fucking hate that bitch. Which later on, there's actually a case that Nancy solves for Brenda. But anyway, it's fine. At this point, they have definitely an animosity between them. Because again, like Nancy's fame is legit and Brenda's is just based on the fact that her daddy lets her walk around with a newspaper reporter hat for a hot minute. So Nancy sees Brenda and then she goes to the AV room and it's in shambles. And so she looks around and she sees a bunch of VHS tapes again. And I checked in the updated version, they are CDs. And she sees Material Girl by Madonna, which makes her think of Brenda. And I was like, I love all the shade that you're throwing. You're throwing a legit amount of shade and I'm enjoying it. Um, I think actually in the updated version, they put a different song there, which I was like, again, don't date yourselves. Just make up a song title. It's fine. But next to that, she sees a video marked like I Spy or some shit. And she's like, I think this might be important. So she takes it home that day. And um, I think, yeah, she does actually take it home. Although I think at that point, she's just decided to check it out. So she puts it in and she sees a tape that shows Hunk, the quarterback, 
who was injured earlier that year. Like, that's another thing that she finds in Jake's locker is a newspaper clipping describing the fact that he was, like, in a hard tackle or some shit. I don't know, football. And, um, like, he got injured, and everybody was like, oh, no, if he can't become a championship player, then he'll lose his scholarship or some shit. I mean... Fuck if I know. Anyway, so he's been injured, but he's been playing as though he's fine and like because he really needs to play in this big game so that he'll get the scholarship. So she sees on the recording it's him in the locker room like taping up his ribs and clearly in pain. So he's lying about the fact that he's he was significantly injured. And you're like, Okay. I guess like he's supposed to fear the repercussions if somebody finds out how badly he's been injured, then he'll be taken out of the contention and then he'll lose a scholarship and blah blah. Which again, this is supposed to be Bedford, which is supposed to be like really ritzy. So is is he here on? It's a public high school. So many questions. Anyway, so that's the blackmail that Jake had on him. Apparently, is that he was taping up his ribs and he was in a lot of pain. The next video shows Connie, and Nancy's like, "Oh shit!" And it's basically a videotape of Connie shoplifting the bracelet that Nancy admired her wearing. And Nancy's like, "Fuck." I've got a few logistics questions. Did Had Jake been following Connie around long enough to figure out the circumstances under which she shoplifted? And was he just every Saturday just watching her leave her house and seeing if she went to some venue where some bracelets were hiding out? But anyway, so anyway, clearly somebody videotaped her doing this. And again, this is 1986, so there's nothing like boom mics or anything where he's got things taped. It's just like you can just see the action that's happening. The third video is of Hal the class brain, breaking into the principal's office, coming out empty-handed, breaking into the counselor's office, and emerging with filled-out SAT cards. Like, he's got the answers to the SAT, which is how he scored perfectly. And I was like, I'm calling bullshit on all this. Why is the school counselor in possession of filled-out SAT answers? Which then Nancy finds in Jake's locker. Like, so she's she's got the evidence. She's got the video of how doing it. And then she's got the actual SAT answer blanks. So... Or the filled out answer. So she's like, okay then. So then she runs into Daryl who's like, Nancy, you you look like something's just happened. She's like, yeah, I found this videotape. And Daryl's like, really? And Nancy's like, yeah. And it's it's got, I, I think that Jack was, Jake was blackmailing people. And, and Daryl's like, that seems legit. And so who who was on the tape? And Nancy's like, well, I saw um, that Hunk has been taping his ribs, and I saw that Connie's been Connie and Hal have been involved in some shit, and it's, it's just real, real bad. And Daryl's like, oh, well, was that everything? And Nancy's like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you're like, ding, 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 ding. Anyway, it's fine. So um, Daryl's like, hey, so, like, maybe we should get back to your house and watch the tape. Which, on the one hand, you're like, clearly he wants to bang you. Like, he he wants to get you on your daddy's couch and just try to get your pants off. On the other hand, you're like, he wants to watch the tape because he feels like something on it might be incriminating toward him. Like, maybe he was involved in the taping of this or something. Like, and again, Nancy is blinded by those beautiful violet Liz Taylor eyes and is like, it's cool, let's go back to my house. And it's like no honey this is this is how he tries to get your pants off but anyway it's fine so they get back to nancy's house which by the way um daryl's like oh i guess we'll have to take my car and nancy's like no no guess whose dad surprised her with a brand new mustang this morning because yes bitches carson drew just went to the ford dealership and plunked down some money and was like i will have that mustang gt delivered toot sweet so this is how nancy gets the blue mustang gt convertible
in the first book because some, some motherfucker didn't actually blow up her car. It just happened. <laughs> the car just happened to explode. And it's actually depicted on the cover of this book. Side note, on the cover of this book, Nancy looks like she's like 40 because she looks like flat out orange. Like, no judgment. I've got a first edition of this book, actually, thanks to Regina. Rest in peace, Regina. And she's like flat out orange and she's got like lines around her mouth that make her look like she's 40. No judgment. I love y'all. I love all of us. I'm, I'm close to there myself. But I was like, she looks like one of my mom's friends when I was first reading this book a long ass time ago. Um, like what the, what, what she, like everything about her reads as like middle-aged on this cover, which is the same for, like, the next few books. And then eventually they get close to what she... But she... I think the lowest she gets is, like, early 20s. Like, she never looks 18 on the cover of these mofos. Anyway, the the car explosion is depicted on the cover is what I was getting at. And also there's... Who's supposed to be Daryl? You can tell by the feathered blonde hair and those Liz Taylor eyes and also the fact that he's got a sweater knotted over his shoulders like a fucking prep. And who's just standing there looking pensive, because of course he is, and her car is exploding in the background. <laughs> That's how you know that shit's gotten real. Um, so yeah, so Daryl's like, let's go back to your house in your brand new Mustang, and we will watch this video together, and maybe maybe some pants will magically happen. At one point, Nancy's like, I bet my $50 designer jeans that Jake was not being innocent in all this. And I was like, all right, inflation calculator, yes. These jeans would now be like $120. And I was like, yeah, because jeans right now, like good quality jeans are like 50. So I was like, yeah, let's just look that shit up. And you know, you know, it was acid washed girl. You know, it was. Anyway, they go back to Nancy's house. They watch the video and Daryl's like, what? I just didn't see anything that made me, gave me any clues. I'm real sorry. And she's like, it's cool. And so, of course, they're gazing longingly at each other and they start making out a little bit. And she's like, <gasps> shit. And then there's a knock at the door and she's like, Ned. And it's not Ned. Ned's at college. Ned calls her at one point and is like, I've got good news. I'm going to be home this weekend. And she's like, I have a date to a high school dance that I have not told. Fuck. But she's like, oh my God, I'll be so happy to see you. I'll figure this shit out later. Anyway, Bess and George are at the door and Nancy's like, oh, I'll just, um, I'll, I'll be right there. And Daryl's like, okay, peace out. Bye. And they're both adjusting their clothing and Bess and George are like, uh huh. So you've been banging a seventeen-year-old, and Nancy's like, "I don't know what you're talking about. We just made out a little. I'm sorry, bye. Like, uh, I'm uh, just. I let me walk Daryl out, and and you can just turn off the tape, and we'll be. It's fine." So Nancy says goodbye to Daryl, and he's like, "Yeah, we'll, we'll have to hang out after the dance." And Nancy's like, "Fuck yeah, we will. I don't. I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. I've got to figure this shit out." And then she goes back inside, and Bess and George are like. Um, is Daryl gone? And Nancy's like, yeah. And they're like, um, there was some more shit on the tape. So there was a gap, which I guess makes some sense here. Like, why not just leave it as a VHS? Because VHS is, you could have a pretty significant fucking gap between video clips. And so there was a really long one. And then all of a sudden there's another one and it's Daryl. Because of course it fucking is. Like all of you should have just immediately said, I knew it because you did, because I've, I've kept telling you. But anyway, so she sees Daryl and he's pulling out of a, it's his Porsche, which she recognizes. And she's like, okay. Um, she sees that they're going down Route 110. She's like, okay, so I, I can track that down on a map. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, he goes down the road. Um, he stops at the Red Caboose Diner. So she sees that landmark on the map and she's like, okay, I can track that down. Um, she sees across the street, there's some sort of imposing looking structure with a fence around it and some like warning signs. And she's like, 
Okay. Okay. Um, there's a video of him meeting with some random guy and getting handed an envelope. And she's like, okay. Don't know what's inside. Could be cupcakes. Could be SAT answers. Who knows? And then it's Daryl going to another house with like this wrought iron scrolled fence around it. Um, and so she sees a street number and she's like, I think that she sees like a street name and number. And so she's like, oh, okay. And that's it. So it's just... Daryl leaving his house, going down the street, going to this diner, meeting this guy, um, and then going to this other house. So that's it. And Nancy's like, well, we don't know what he was doing. And Bess and George are like, girl, everything else on this tape has been blackmail material. Like, it is completely reasonable to conclude that whatever the fuck he's doing, it is not innocent. And Nancy's like, well, let's, let's just let's just see what's, what these locations are on the tape. So Nancy, Bess, and George go out. They follow Route 110. They find the Red Caboose Diner. They see across the street this imposing building with the fence around it. This is like property of the U.S. government. And she's like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, fuck. So she goes inside the diner. She's like, hey. Um, and Bess is like, let's stop for a meal. And George is like, no. And you're like, stop fat shaming. But anyway, so they sit down for a meal. And Nancy asks the waiter. She's like, so the place across the street? That looks pretty legit. And he's like, yeah, they um, do defense contracting for the Air Force. And Nancy's like, cool. And the guy, the waiter is like, yeah. And you just know that if the U.S. is attacked, like I get nervous sometimes because I'm like, you know that somebody's got a nuke with that address on it. And you're like, I love that you're just, this is fucking Cold War time, guys. Like, I get it. It's 1986. The threat of Russia just nuking us into oblivion is a legit thing. And so for him to be like, yeah, I mean, just casually, we might just be nuked off the map here. I don't know. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Fuck, fuck. So then they decide to go back to where the wrought iron, like, because they know the address vaguely. So they drive down that street. And it's got, like, a fence. It's got guards and everything. And Nancy finds out that, and this is, again, volunteered by the waiter that they have at the diner, that there's, like, embassy ambassador residences nearby in Bedford because Bedford is just down the road. And so they figure out that this is the USSR's embassy. In Bedford, of all places. Like, I've got some follow-up questions. It's fine. Anyway, so they get chased the fuck off the property, and they drive to a pizza place to get away from the guys because Nancy's like, I'll try anything at this point because they've already bumped the back of her new fucking car. Um, so they go to the pizza place, and, and Nancy's like, I'm too jittery to eat. And then she eats, like, half a pizza because, of course, she fucking does. And while they're there, they see that Brenda is hanging out with Carla, the bit. They're both bitches. They're both bitches. And um, Carla walks by and jostles Nancy's table so the soda, like, her soda spills. And Bess and George are like, that bitch. And Nancy's like, girl, I know. And she's hanging out with Brenda. Like, there's no good can come of this whatsoever. Also, in a pre- because um, these books are about, like, 18 chapters, and each one has to end on a cliffhanger. So one of the cliffhangers was that Carla was supposed to be spotting for Nancy during gym class. And she just turned around while Nancy's on the trampoline. And Nancy is thrown off by this and just, like, flings herself off the trampoline onto the floor. I was like, it's not that hard to stay on a fucking trampoline, but okay, it's fine. Um, so, like, the gym teacher comes over and is like, Carla! she could have died, you fucker. And so Nancy's like, yeah, she got it out for me. So just saying, like, 
of course, she's like, keep your hands off my man. And Nancy's like, girl, he got his hands all over me. Like, I, I was not even a part of that decision. It's fine. So, yeah. So, Nancy sees that Carla and, and um, Brenda are hanging out. And she's like, there, there's no good here. So, they decide that they need to talk to Daryl and figure out what the fuck's going on. Um, because, clearly, um, he did something. Like, he, it looks like he met with somebody who was maybe working for the Air Force, like, defense contract people. He took something from them to the USSR. Like, okay, so it makes sense. He would be, like, selling information or be a middleman for selling information. He would get some cut of it. Um, it would help finance his rich Liz Taylor lifestyle. And so it all kind of hangs together and it makes some sense. Like all that he's been trying to keep track of what she's been doing. He wanted to see the videotape. Like all this stuff kind of makes sense. So, yeah. So Nancy's like, well, I mean, on the one hand, he's a piece of shit. And I'm glad I found out. And that, I mean, I he was making out with me. And now the whole time it just feels like he was just trying to keep an eye on me to make sure that I was not finding out about his position in this mystery and you're like ding 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 um so yeah so she feels like well I mean I'm glad that I've got Ned because that was some fucked up shit so Daryl has been like so we're going to the dance right Nancy's like fuck yeah we are um Ned has said that he's gonna be home on Friday so Nancy had to figure out how she was gonna handle that because I think the school dance is also on Friday so anyway so Nancy decides that she's going to She's going to get Bess and George to go to the dance with her, and she's going to confront Daryl, like, after the dance. Like, she's going to get him alone, and then she's going to be, like, because she's pretty sure, based on everything, she's like, could any of them have beat him up and pushed him down the stairs? Jake. Um, yeah. Like, the football player who seems to have rage issues, because she talks to each of them in turn. She's like, so, I heard you got hurt real bad at that game. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. So she's like, okay, he could have done it. She talks to Connie, who she just comes flat out, and she's like, Connie, I, I know that Jake found out that you were shoplifting. And Connie's like, he made me do things. And I was like, I really want some hard follow-up on that. Like, it's just she shudders and says that I had to do everything he said. And you're like, like what? I've, I want to know. Like, does Connie need some intense therapy? Um, with how she just kind of alludes to it. She's like, oh, how did you get such a perfect score on the SATs? Like, I'm studying for him too. And he's like, oh, what you're talking about, bye. So, yeah, yeah. So she's like, could they have ganged up on him and pushed him on the stairs? Yeah. Could Hal have done it? Could Hank have done it himself? Hunk have done it himself? Yeah. Um, I don't think Connie could have done it because she just doesn't strike me that way, but she could have been a participant. But the fact that the stakes were infinitely higher with Daryl makes him the the best person to be the prime candidate here. So they go to the dance. Um, Bess manages to trip Carla in the bathroom so that she gets a big old soapy water stain on the back of her dress on her butt. And Nancy's like, good one. Good call. I like that. I mean, it's not going to hurt her, but it's also going to make her maybe like a, a tad embarrassed. Um, they go out on the dance floor. Nancy, of course, is having to stick with Daryl because she doesn't want him to know that anything's up. And Ned has accompanied George to the dance, so he gets to watch this shit. <sighs> That's another reason, actually, that I enjoyed having George be the one who invited Ned to their high school reunion in that fanfic where Nancy starts having an affair with Ned. 
mm, good callback. Anyway, um, so Nancy's dancing with Daryl and just gazing longingly into his violetless Taylor eyes, and he's he's like, maybe we should get out of here. And she's like, no, no, let's let's stay a little while longer. The band is really good. Bess has started dating a guitarist for the band because, of course, she has. She's like, his name is Alan, and he is he is so fucking hot. The fun thing is that, like, I think early on they didn't know exactly how serialized they were going to be because Alan is actually going to be prominently featured in the next book, which you don't know at this point, but you're going to find out. Anyway, so Bess is there, like, gazing longingly at her new her new love. Nancy's there with Daryl. Ned and George are together, but, like, they don't really allude to it because Nancy's having to gaze longingly into this dick's eyes. Anyway, it's fine. So then she's like, I think I'm ready. Let's let's go somewhere where we can be alone. And Daryl's like, fuck yeah, we are. So they go out to his Porsche and they get into the car and Nancy's like, so um, I, find, I found out why Jake was killed. And Daryl immediately backs up and is like, really? And Nancy's like, yeah. So, um... Yeah, you know that tape that we watched together that you were trying to get my pants off during? Um, yeah, I watched the end of that mofo, and I saw some stuff that involved you and a Air Force defense contracting factory, and also the USSR's embassy, and yeah. And so Daryl, like, grabs her and drags her out of the car and is like, you don't know what you're messing with. And she's like, fuck! And then, like, she scrapes her knee, and Ned immediately comes out of where he's in hiding watching, because this has all been a fucking setup. So he immediately comes out of there and tackles Daryl's ass to the ground, and I'm like, yes, please beat the shit out of him. But of course, Ned does not, because, like, Ned's tension is high, but... He is a gentleman, so he, like, pulls the mofo to his feet and is like, you answer Nancy, motherfucker. Um, they don't curse. Please know that I'm filling in all the cursing that they should be doing. I am their rage interpreters. So, Nancy's like, so, did you did you do this? And, and Daryl's like, how could you think that I would do this? And you're like, because you're a fucking liar. But anyway, um, so Daryl's like, no, it was Mitch Dillon, who is the guy who works at the Air Force contracting place. And Nancy's like, oh, Okay, so we'll just go after him. And, and Daryl's like, he will kill you. He killed Jake. Like, he wanted that tape. He knew that the tape existed. That's because Jake found out about it, and he tried to blackmail Mitch. And Mitch was like, there's one way to deal with blackmailers, and it's to throw them down some fucking stairs. So, um, but he can't find the tape. And so he needs a copy of the tape. He can't find it. Nancy's the one who tracked it down. And so Daryl just was hoping that it wasn't on that specific tape or whatever. But um, anyway, so Nancy's like, okay, well, tell Mitch you found the tape and we'll get him on tape confessing to his crime. And, and we're good. And Daryl's like, he will fucking kill all of us. So anyway, so they decide to set it up from like Nancy eventually convinces him to do this because he's a dick. And also because he's been selling fucking government secrets like they're not going to take kindly to this shit. Like, you need to do something to kind of redeem yourself. So she sets it up for Monday. She has to go to school. And, like, Ned takes her and he's like, so some some shit was happening between you and Daryl? And Nancy's like, maybe. And Ned's like, yeah, okay, okay. I'll, I'll see you later. So they, Nancy is keeping an eye on Daryl during the school day. He seems pale but committed to this plan. And so after school, they're meeting with Midge in a park so that they can get, like, their AV equipment set up and everything. They've contacted the police. The police are going to be out there just to grab people. It's going to be fine. So then Mitch calls Daryl and, like any good villain, is like, I'm changing the time of the meet so that you will not pull this shit. So this, of course, means that it's going to be Nancy and her friends and Daryl the dipshit 
Daryl the dipshit. Um, there to meet Mitch. Like, cops will not be there. So, because we want Nancy involved in the collar. We always want Nancy involved in the collar, if we possibly can help it. So, uh, they get out there. They set up their AV equipment. Every, you know, Mitch comes out there. He's he's pulling it off. He's doing a good job. He's just looking around really casually, feeding some ducks. And then he walks over to the, the place where... Um, where Daryl's sitting on a bench. Now, Daryl's got a little mini cassette recorder in his pocket, because of course he does. It's, it's 1986. And Nancy's got a video camera. So, never the twain shall meet. She can see what's happening, but she can't hear it. And she's hoping that Daryl can get Mitch to admit, like, that he killed Jake on tape, because that's the whole point of this entire exercise. She, he doesn't have the tape with him. He's got, like, a blank dummy tape with him just to convince Mitch that that's what he's got. So all of a sudden, Mitch looks agitated and looks around and then, like, tackles somebody. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? Like, and he pulls Brenda, the bitch, the, the wannabe reporter, out of the bushes because she took a fucking picture with a fucking flash because she is a dipshit. And Mitch is like, you're, you're trying to, what the, f- no, give me that camera. Like, I'm, I'm going to shoot this mofo. And so, of course, like, Nancy runs out there. George and Ned are nowhere to be seen, so she's hoping that they're calling the police, getting somebody out there to, to help deal with this. So she runs over there to get involved, and she's like, what's going on here? Because, again, if she can get him to confess, then maybe this can be salvaged in some way, even though he's got a gun to Brenda's head. And you're like, appropriate. Like, yes, if anyone needs to die here, it's Brenda. No, it's not. I mean, but if anyone. Anyway, Daryl. Daryl, I'm a, I'm a fan of shooting Daryl. Anyway. Um, so Nancy's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, give me the fucking camera, you dipshit. Like, we all know why you're here. And so Nancy's like, well, if I'm just a dipshit, then why don't you get the camera yourself and, and blah, blah. And, and Brenda's like, he's gonna fucking shoot me. And Nancy's like, I don't know, though. Also, would it be that big a loss? Anyway, so Mitch grabs, the, he does admit, he's like, I'll, I'll kill you just like a kill Jake or some shit. And so he, and Nancy's like, yes, we, ha- we have the tape. It's, it's good. So um, he grabs Brenda's camera because, again, he needs the proof. And he's got the tape, and he's trying to, to run away. And the gun goes off when they're struggling. And Nancy has no time. She just runs to go tackle Mitch. And, and Ned's the one who actually ends up tackling him because Ned is here for tackling reasons. That is, that is 100% his reason for being here. Um, so they tackle him. The cops show up and arrest him. Um, Daryl has been shot. And I was like, yes! please die. But no, he got shot in the shoulder. So that's why he did not participate in all the tackling because Ned is the one who is, who is needing to do all the tackling. Daryl, you are a piece of shit. Just a weak ass piece of shit. Anyway, so he's sitting there bleeding bravely and the cops come up and they're like, you're okay. And he's like, well, I think it went through my shoulder. Is it? And you're like, just shut up. Just shut the fuck up. Anyway, during this book, Nancy has been looking forward to going off with, and you're like, what's the resolution? Shh. During this book, Nancy has been looking forward to going off with Ned's family to a remote cabin that they have in the woods and or on a lake. I think it's at a lake. It, it doesn't fucking matter. They have a cabin in every single fucking book, and it's at a different location. The only consistent one is at Fox Lake, which I know because I've set several fanfics there. Um, anyway, so she wants to go off with Ned's family to a, a cabin, and I'm like, or maybe just Ned, like maybe they can cancel last minute and y'all can just bang. I mean, it's fine. Anyway, so um, Daryl is going to be looked favorably upon by the government, so he won't get as much jail time as one might expect for selling fucking government secrets. Um, they figured out that Mitch is indeed the person who threw a high schooler down some stairs because he's that's just how he rolls, so it's fine. Um, the USSR people, which again, in the in the updated version, they were like, the Russians have fled the country. 
with uh, presumably with the secrets who who the fuck knows it's fine but anyway so yeah he confirmed everything he was like jake tried to get him blah blah blah, blah. it's fine his steely-eyed gaze um so yeah so at the end of the book um nancy and ned are alone together and ned's like so you got involved with a high schooler that's just okay and nancy's like look i yeah i mean i i did catch feelings but you're the only man in my heart and ned's like cool and so at the end of it, she's like, yeah, I would actually feel pretty shitty if Ned did this to me. If he was like, so I caught feelings for somebody at college, but I mean, it's fine because I'm up at college all the time and you are not. And and so she's like, shit. And then she's like, no, it's cool. We're cool, though. So the next book, the next book we're going to pick up with is called Deadly Intense. So the first book is set near River Heights, but the second book is set in New York City. Oh, my God. Does Nancy also look 40 on the cover of this book? Of course she fucking does, because of course. But, so we're going to pick up there, and that one's actually really fucking exciting, because it's got, like, rock stars and all sorts of shit, and, and Nancy lights a cigarette. <gasps> the, oh my gosh, the sheer debauchery. But anyway, so that's what we're going to pick up next time. So, I hope you enjoyed it. I'll catch you next time.